Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. Okay, in what is truly a momentous week for this podcast, this Friday, December 2nd, in Sydney, we have the first ever live episode of Get Around Me, 7.30 at Kinsella's on Oxford Street. You can get those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio. I think there's about 10 left. I must be completely candid. The last 15 tickets of this podcast have been potentially annoying to get rid of. But nevertheless, the room is going to be packed out. 10 tickets left. Snap them up. And uh, we will see you there. we got three sick guests lined up. Myself, obviously. I mean, if you turned up to Get Around Me Live and Billy Darcy didn't at least at some point feature in the programming, I think you'd be very much within your rights to ask for a partial refund. But it's going to be obviously me up there ripping and tearing. Then we've got TikTok superstar Will Gibb, darling boy of the podcast Rowan Arneal, and of course, had to get him, the snake Pat Doherty will be making an appearance. Got some crazy yarns lined up. Some yarns that, I'll be candid, like would just not go on the podcast traditionally. Okay? I don't want to use the term X-rated because I don't think that's really, you know, it's not like we're not going to sort of shoot a pornography scene on stage or anything like that. And I can assure anyone coming that that won't be the case. But, you know, the yarns will have an extra edge to them. They'll be a little bit bluer than what would usually get on the airwaves here at Get Around Me. So looking forward to it. About 10 tickets left. Sydney, December 2nd, live podcast. Tickets via the link in my Instagram bio, dude. But, you know, there's a bit going on this week, not just the live podcast. I've got the sickest weekend coming up. How's my weekend? Live podcast Friday, session afterwards confirmed. Then Saturday, I'm at this music festival, Sunsets Festival on the northern beaches of Sydney. I'm interviewing the artists and punters in the crowd slash getting mortal and potentially blowing trees with all day at some point, hopefully. And then Sunday, I've got nothing planned. But here's the thing. I don't need anything planned because there's UFC on. And our missions before treats, you know, 74 schooners Friday, a gentleman 76 Saturday. I wake up Sunday on the Lord's Day with the tools down and a great attitude, okay? That's now my time to rest, recuperate, enjoy some light narcotics, put on some six to seven leg multis comprising of uh, many mixed martial artists who I've never actually seen fight before, but I watched them in the face off and I got a good feeling, Okay. So very much a weekend tailored to my interests and I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, Missions Before Treats, I've been learning this week. I've continued to broaden my horizons, as it were, uh, after really building on some of the momentum from earlier in the year when I learned what gaslighting was, okay? So gaslighting is when someone says something and you say, that's not what you said, or some version of that, okay? You know it when you see it. But off the back of that, you know, I've maintained the rage. Just this week, I learned what situationships are. I don't know if anyone's heard about these things. There's so many new terms for dating coming out day by day. 
uh, that I often struggle to keep up because it's not about getting out there and getting your heart broken. It's about accurately describing how your heart was broken. And these new terms really provide that. So it's, it's a very exciting time to be a single person. Uh, a situationship, I found out, is when you go on like four or five dates with someone and then, you know, it's not like a relationship, but it's, you know, it's more than just banging away. That's a situationship, okay? So, turns out, I don't know, I missed a situationship. I, I, I thought I was just sort of floundering out here. It turns out I'm some sort of a situationship specialist, dude, okay? Calling it off after four to five dates, that's the Billy Darcy playbook, okay? So, it's an interesting time. It's a very interesting time. And it's great. There's so many new dating terms that basically all roughly translate to you getting mugged off, but you get to say it in like a more creative way. You know, it's like, no, 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 she didn't mug me off. Our situationship came to a climax. (laughs) Did you get a girlfriend this year, Bill? Well, it's hard to say. I was uh, gaslit in early parts of the year and found myself in three to four situationships. So what does that tell you? It tells me, no, Bill, you did not get a girlfriend this year. And that's what these words do. They create sort of uh, confusing storylines that really paint over the fact that, yeah, you're, you're alone still, dude. <laughs> it's all just code for getting mugged off, you know. I don't care if you got bloody gaslit or bees dicked or they put a fucking metaphorical beanie over your emotional head. I don't know what you're talking about, dude, but it seems like you're rocking up to Christmas with just you and a $6 bolo red yet again. So it's a tough world out there. It's a tough world. You know, all these different things. People like I was in a romantic circumstance that graduated into a bipartisan event. And hopefully things are looking to the future. They will eventually become my partner in crime. So I don't know about any of this stuff, dude. The Billy Darcy playbook is four or five dates and then either I tell you I love you or we move on, okay? So I don't know what the fucking code word is for that, but that's that's what I'm working with on this end of things, okay? But it's a bizarre time to be dating because I personally, <laughs> I don't know if this is like a good attitude to dating. I think there's no skill in it whatsoever. You know, people are on Hinge talking about dating trends and stuff. You know, people are going for more sober dates. People like outdoor dates. Situationships are more popular than ever before. For me, I don't know. You're either getting married or mugged off. What's the fucking... I don't know about all these code words, babe. I honestly, I'm quite quite confused by the whole situation. I don't think there is a skill to dating. I think you just rock up in one of your three favorite shirts uh, with a great attitude and hope for the best, you know? You ever heard a married person talk about their first date with the love of their life? The bloke rocks up with like one shoe and a a borderline codeine addiction. She's only there because she lost a bet. They both go to the wrong venue and now they've got three kids. You know, I don't think love is that malleable, that it matters what color your shoes are and whether or not you're gaslighting someone into a situationship and, you know, if Mercury's in retrograde and your favorite color is red. I don't, I don't particularly care for any of it. Obviously, you should make some fucking effort. Have a shower, you know, maybe use some beautiful Manscaped products. That's not an ad. That's just off the rip. And, you know, come in, come in clean, 
correct with a great attitude. But apart from that, some people talk about dating like they're playing poker or something. You know? I love it when someone says, oh, I'm looking for something serious right now or, well, that's it, lads. Uh, su- summer of, of singledom. I'm just going to be nothing but, but casually banging my way into next week. I think it's all by the by. I think, you know, you could rock up in the morning with whatever intentions you want, but if you bump into the barista and she looks you in the eye and remembers your name, even though you've only been to that particular cafe twice before, well, guess what, mate? Welcome to destiny. I don't care what you wrote in your fucking dream journal about all this casual sex. We'll see you at Christmas. You're in love, brother. So I don't know. It's a wild world out there. But I just found out this week that I am someone who has been in a situationship, multiple situationships. I thought I was just dating. I thought I was just dating and sort of making my way through this world. But it turns out, guys, I've been in three to four situationships this year. And I love it because these made up words really pad out what would otherwise be not the most impressive dating resume 2022 has ever seen. But thanks to words like gaslighting, situationship, etc. Okay? You're able to tell your friends with some confidence that you are, in fact, in the mix. So it's an exciting time to be a single person. And I look forward to whatever buzzwords 2023 has in store for us to mask what is no doubt going to be an ever-increasing amount of loneliness. Okay? Anyway... Can you tell I've been fucking... (laughs) Oh my God, there's a bit going on upstairs with old Billy D at the moment. But anyway, let's crack into the yarns from the week that was. Firstly, dude, I got another great sticky beak situation. Another car altercation. And if you recall, uh, there was a huge car crash outside the lad pad a couple of months ago and sort of six to seven neighborhood dads came out to have a sticky beak and sort things out, as any man over the age of 40 should. And I saw another great one. So me and Macca are at our local cafe. There's one of these trucks where it's like, I want to paint the picture of how aggressive this vehicle is. Okay, so you got basically, picture like an American style pickup truck. Like the word ute is is not appropriate for this vehicle, okay? We're closer to a semi-trailer than we are a Holden Rodeo at this point. So I want you to take sort of a a pickup truck maybe Dwayne The Rock Johnson would drive around in. Then I want you to jack that up maybe an extra meter and just picture like the most obnoxious automobile you could ever wrap your tiny cranium around, okay? So we've got that. The guy's parked right outside the cafe, and here comes, here comes, you know, Gladys, little Doddler, little Hyundai i30, 1999 edition. You know, she can barely see over the steering wheel. There's another old lady in the passenger seat. I'd hate to speak out of school, even older than the driver. They've both got those fucking sunglasses on where it's like, the sunglasses are so thick. It's like a polarization, like chemists only offer this level of polarization to like people who are on the way out, like even just direct sunlight into their naked eyeball could be absolutely disastrous, okay? One of those things where it's like, is that lady blind or is she just 91 years old? And then later on, you you most likely find out it's a combination of the two. But anyway, so we got this monster truck parked right outside the cafe. 
this bloody little doddler, 91-year-old bird. She comes in. She goes to hit the reverse parallel in front of this monster truck. And this is, it's one of these trucks where it's like, I don't know anything about automobiles. This thing's like a 50 grand truck, okay? It's one of those things where, you know, have you ever, and I might be exposing myself here, but because I, I fucking whip in a reverse parallel, mate, okay? I'm not saying that I can't reverse parallel. I'm actually saying I'm pretty bloody good at it. But do you just ever have those things where you've got a really tight reverse parallel and you've got like a fucking Tesla either side of you or a Porsche or something? Maybe you're hungover. Maybe you miss your ex-girlfriend and you just go, nah, I'm I'm not up for this today. I'm not risking, you know, scraping up. This car's worth more than my total income for the last three years, okay? Not on for me today to tackle this. Whereas if there's like another Mazda Metro in there, I'll fucking whip in like I'm a bloody Italian-Australian 16-year-old who just got his red peas, okay? Just just absolutely slide in like this parking space owes me money. So this old lady, it was like nails on a chalkboard watching this because she's trying to hit the reverse parallel, but it's like she's nowhere near and she's getting close to the monster truck. And this huge Lebanese guy is now conned onto this. It's, I, I'm not in for racial stereotypes. I'm not here to proliferate uh, racial stereotypes in any way, shape or form. But if you put a gun to my head and you said, Billy, we're going to kill you if you don't tell us which bloke in the cafe owns this monster truck out the front, I personally, I'm going to have to put my hand up and say, I would have, this is in a life or death situation, I would have pointed to the jacked lesbian man with a uh, lesbian, <laughs> sorry, Lebanese that's all right i'll edit that out i'll edit that out (laughs) okay all right fuck totally fuck that dude okay the yeah the jacked lebanese guy is what i'm saying it was his car okay he looked like he owned the car he owned the car he comes out hands on his head fuck freaking the fuck he's just watching this whole thing he's saying stop stop but obviously the old lady you know her hearing's impaired she's about a million so then he's literally just watching slow motion. He's like try he put like he's like putting his hands on her car and she just like I don't know what sort of capacity this lady had with her senses, but it was minimal. She wasn't hearing anything, she wasn't seeing anything. I mean, you could have thrown a frosty fruit down this chick's mouth. She probably wouldn't have enjoyed that either. So anyway, she just basically drives into this guy's monster truck right in front of him as he's like full like, "Oh no." And then the, the old lady gets out of the car. She just drives into his car, like, smashes in the front of it. When I say smash, at like four kilometers an hour. So just sort of bends it in, the front chassis. Then just straightens up the park, you know. She's parking like she's at AMF bowling and they've put the bumpers on. She's just sort of pinballing around until she finds the right spot. And this guy's just watching this happen. He can't believe it. The whole cafe's watching. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen because then now you know this poor guy has to deal with this interaction. He has to try and get some fucking sense or some details out of this million-year-old woman. So the passenger gets out. They both get out. He's like, are you kidding? The old lady passenger, she just walks straight past him. She's not letting this little fucking bingle get in the way of her 
ice long black on a Sunday and I respected the fuck out of her for it. So she just bails. She leaves her mate, the driver, there with this Lebanese guy. And I tell you what, this old lady was a fortress. Firstly, she got out, she wasn't even aware anything had happened. So he had to explain that she had just crashed into his car in front of him. He had to explain to her that it happened. Then he had to explain to her like that it was her fault, which again, she struggled to wrap her head around. Then he had to try and get her details out of her for insurance. She's like, for what? He's like, you just drove into my car. She's like, when? He's like, just then, just fucking then. And she's like, where? And he's like, are you serious? He's pointing to it. He's like, literally, he's got it. He's like, it shouldn't bend this way. This was you. And she's like, who am I? (laughs) Oh my God. This poor guy, dude. Jesus Christ. It was brutal. It was the sort of thing where you almost go, fuck it. I'm just going to pay for this myself. There's no chance. And it just goes to show there's nothing better to get you out of a bingle than just being a million years old. Um, Like the guy, I got my coffee and stuff. 20 minutes later, the guy's still talking to her. And this is where the dads come into it. Eventually, like neighborhood dads came out for a sticky beak. And like one of the dads had to like broker the deal. Like, you know, help sort it out because the old lady was so confused. So once again, local dads getting the job done. But anyway, another thing I did last week, uh, obviously it's, v- it's very well known. I'm, a, I'm an avid supporter of the arts. And, you know, the arts, it's an umbrella term. They come in many shapes, forms, sizes, and I love them all. So Pat Doherty, the snake, enemy of the pod, local snake dipped in oil, a reptile you can't trust. Uh, he is actually quite the artist as well, Pat. So he had an art exhibition in Darlinghurst. Me, Macca, Freddie rocked up. Great times. There were people at this thing where it's like, I don't know who you are, but I know you're famous. You know when you just see someone so good looking and they're wearing clothes that like aren't available to the public? You know, like they've got like fucking, they're wearing a jacket, but it's like the zippers are in the wrong spots. But is that the right spot? Does this guy know something we don't about zippers? So there was a bit of that. There's some chicks where it's like, you're definitely just like a high fashion model. Just people you don't really run into, you know? Good looking, famous people love art because they're the only people that can afford it. So unreal time. I actually met a woman at this art exhibition. Speaking of socializing, I met a woman and uh, Pat goes, this is so-and-so. We actually met her in Newcastle two years ago and you guys were talking to each other and I said, you guys should get married. I don't know. And I didn't remember any of this. I must've been bloody three sheets to the wind at the time. And lovely girl, we start chatting away. She's like, yeah, remember you, yeah, we were saying we were going to get married because her name was Darcy. My last name's Darcy. So obviously, you know, you're off to the races there. Uh, you know, she's like, imagine if we had a kid, we could call it Darcy, Darcy. I'm like, ah, ah, you're hilarious. You're the funniest person I've ever met. Ah, like, you know, so I'm in the pocket. It's all going great guns. What about this for a strikeout city? So I get her number, put it in my phone. Turns out I've already got her number. It's already saved in there from the time I met her like two years ago. And it's, it's saved as Darcy wife. So I'm like, oh my God. 
you know, I had Macca in the lounge room with the fucking whiteboard trying to construct this first text message. I said, Macca, put the whiteboard marker down. This one writes itself. I sent her a screenshot of the contact. I said, Darcy, I already had your name in my thing as from last time saved as Darcy wife. How funny is that? No response. Okay, it's been at least four business days. Whatever the cutoff is where you're not expecting a response anymore. And dude, this is a strikeout city we've not seen before because I struck out two years ago in Newcastle. Don't remember it. I now know that I've probably repressed that memory out of sheer trauma. Then we go around the sun again in 2022 in Sydney this time. Home ground advantage. Everyone knows I'm the mayor. I run this town. Mugged again. I've got the same girl's number twice and I've been mugged twice. I mean, it's like in How I Met Your Mother when Ted goes on a first date with the same woman from five years earlier. And he's like, fuck, we've lapped everyone and we're still alone. It was like that, but nowhere near as hilarious because my life isn't a a well-written sitcom. But yeah, mugged by the same woman two years apart across two different cities. Now that's a strikeout, okay? That is a strikeout of some significance. So if uh, you see Pat Doherty's got an exhibition in Sydney or any other city next year, go and get along to it, you know? You get a cheese platter, you get rejected by a girl in Newcastle for the second time, you have a beautiful pale ale, you appreciate some fantastic art, and that's what it's all about, dude. But anyway, moving on, last thing, obviously, Saturday, what was I doing? No need to ask, I was watching the Socceroos, dude. Fucking, what a moment in Australian sporting history this was. Uh, Where to begin, where to begin... Me and Macca got to this sports bar on the Northern Beaches at like 4pm because we thought it would be so packed. Turns out, yeah, we massively, we had like four schooners at home at like 2pm, then flew to this sports bar. We thought we'll be lucky to get a table at four. People will be that ravenous. Well, that wasn't the case at all. We got there so early. We were the only people in there. Luckily, we, it meant we got the biggest table right in front of the big screen. But yeah, it also meant that by the time the Socceroos came on, we were absolutely out to lunch, okay? Now, to make matters worse, the, one of the only other tables in there, how's this? I ran into a table of some of my old high school teachers, but like none of the ones that I connected with, <laughs> you know? It was just like people who didn't teach me. One guy taught me for like one term. Fucking hell. This is like running into acquaintances, but times a million. It was like, how do I make this interaction end? Um, But a mate of mine is now teaching at my old school, so it was good to see him. But yeah, fucking hell, you want to have an interaction that is really one of the more useless ones you'll have. Talk to a bloke who taught your friend maths in year seven. Didn't teach you, nor did he ever know your name. Talk to him for 10 minutes and get back to me. Uh, with whether or not you'd like that 10 minutes back, because I reckon you would, okay? But anyway, let's get into the football, uh, Tunisia, okay? Now, I honestly was confident going into this game. There was just a, there was a feeling around the camp. Obviously, we were buoyed by the news that Atkinson, uh, who played right back against France and was dribbled like a basketball by Mbappe, uh, luckily for us, he was injured, okay? And I hate to speak ill of a socceroo like that, but I think there was a few of us that when the news came through, you thought, fuck, it's not the worst thing in the world, okay? 
So Atkinson's out. We looked good off the rip. It looked hot out there. Middle of the desert, middle of the day. I'm just trying to put into it. The moment Mitch Duke hit the header, where he's just side netting header and then hits up the J, I didn't know it was a J. I thought it was some sort of maybe a bit of Latin or something. And then his four-year-old son is in the stands hitting the J as well. If I wasn't surrounded by 12 to 14 of the lads in a pretty toxic male environment, dude, I'm crying. Hold on, boys. I'm crying right now, okay? Unbelievable. That's just sort of the moment. Do you know what I love? When you see a bloke in life and you go, fucking hell, he's just done it. That's his moment. He, like, he can be 63 sitting on his deck with a glass of red wine, looking at the sunset, going just completely content, knowing I fucking did something of significance in this world. Wow. That's unbelievable. You know, just that moment where the whiskey's going to taste a bit better. You know, the cigar. Yeah, it's just the fucking, the, the relaxing this man's going to get up to for the rest of his life. That was his moment. Unbelievable. Harry Sutar, that challenge in the second half when Harry Sutar chopped that guy down and fucking, it was all ball, but he simultaneously smashed the cunt. That's the sort of thing that gets me out of bed in the morning, dude. I'm going to start watching that clip before I go on stage just to rev me, okay? Aaron Moy, Aaron Moy, I think played 90 minutes in what was a gargantuan effort, okay? Uh, that guy, he, he looked good. You know, the second half, they can be a tough team to watch the Socceroos. We seem to be of the opinion that one goal is in fact enough. Would it kill the lads to bang in a second so maybe a couple of us can fucking have a, have a beer in the second half without having a borderline panic attack every time Tunisia get the fucking ball? You know, at times, it was a tough watch. Loved all the interviews after with the Socceroos. There's really barely an Australian accent in the bunch, and I don't give a fuck, okay? Everyone knows the Socceroos are made up of Irish, Scottish, and Serbian men. That's the way it always has been, and that's the way it will continue to be, okay? So love to see it. Um, most of the lads qualified because, you know, their dad fingered an Australian bird in 1983. And while it's not the most authentic Australian team you've ever seen, who gives a shit, dude? We're this close. We're this fucking close and obviously today i'm recording the podcast on wednesday the 30th of november i record the podcast on wednesday it goes out on thursday it's not the wildest system in the world now obviously this is pretty much the one time where it's like fuck i wish i could push the podcast back because as you're listening to this you guys know the result of australia versus denmark i don't know it yet Okay, so we'll have to see. The first test for the cricket also starts today. So plenty to talk about next week. All right, you guys want to see a spiritual fucking moment right now? I'm manifesting us getting through to the round of 16 by any means necessary. I don't care if it's a draw. I don't care if it's we win. I don't care if there's, you know, some sort of a, an incident where the game doesn't even take place and we go through on a technicality. I'm manifesting us going through to the round of 16. You heard it here first, okay? I'm like that fucking octopus that can pick pick the winners. That's me. All right, anyway, let's crack into a few topics. So, firstly, this week, potential Australian power couple 
has become made themselves aware to not only me but the media at large. Robert Irwin, Bob Irwin to his mates, obviously the son of Steve. Nothing needs to be said there. What a legacy, okay? So Robert Irwin, he's followed his father as far as conservation, as far as spreading awareness about wildlife, be it Australian native wildlife or otherwise. Okay, he's doing a fantastic job. Now, where Steve Irwin, if there was a criticism of Steve, and there definitely isn't, but Steve Irwin, not a man who was known for doing a lot of boot scooting, faithful family man. Okay, and that's where we see now Robert Irwin has picked up the slack. He is dating Heath Ledger's niece. Now, is this a long bow to draw as far as a potential Australian power couple? I don't think so. Okay, dude, if we find ourselves in some sort of a situation where Heath Ledger and Steve Irwin's DNA is combined into one family tree, I mean, that the offspring of that would probably go on to be Prime Minister slash Australian opening batsman at the same time. First to ever do it. You know, that's some powerful, iconic Australian DNA. So I'm following this like a hawk. Here's the thing. Whether they these guys go on to sort of fall in love, get married, and become an Australian iconic power couple or not, what is... I'm interested by is that now Robert Irwin's dating life is on the cards. Okay. He's 18. Um, and from here, we could have a situation where this guy could honestly Steve Bradbury the fuck out of us. As far as coming from nowhere, we could have like an Aussie version of Pete Davidson. Cause this Robert kid, he's famous as fuck. Like he goes on Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon's laughing his head off. Oh, snakes. Ha 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 ha. You know? drunk on national television as Jimmy Fallon usually is and it's great the Yanks love him obviously it goes without saying we love Robert Irwin and I think this could be a very exciting man to watch over the coming years because you know we need someone to step up this comes off the back of the news I was alerted last week Marcus Stoinis actually does have a girlfriend Um, she's an influencer slash model I guess, model slash influencer. She has like 150,000 Instagram followers. So we love that for the Stoin, but it does take him off the market. So Robert Irwin could be the man to step into the void and potentially start getting a bit of work done and, you know, putting some fucking, some stories up on news.com.au. We need someone in the Australian landscape to step up, okay? I'd do it but I'm a six out of 10 and I've got confidence issues, okay? So we need Robert Irwin to be the man. I've got some potential partners for him. Amy Shark and Robert Irwin. Does that get anyone out of bed? Okay, because here's the thing. That's that's a great Australian power couple. Keep in mind, Amy Shark, beloved artist. Also, Aussie Battler, cracking music career. Real, just love Amy Shark. Then also off the back of this, let's say Robert breaks her heart. We get a fucking whole album from Amy Shark of bangers referencing an Australian icon. I mean, it could be pretty exciting. Failing that, I had Kerry Bickmore lined up. Uh, Kerry Bickmore is stepping away from the project. And I think she's also stepping away from that show she does with... uh, What's his name? 
the radio show at 3 p.m. each day that Kerry Bickmore does with, um, ah, it's gone, but you know who it is. And so she's got a lot more time on her hands. Let's fill that time with a few dinner dates uh, with Steve Irwin's son. And then finally, this one's just come from fucking left field, but I thought about it and I thought, fuck, this isn't too bad at all. Miranda Kerr. What happened to Miranda Kerr, guys? Is she still around? Did, what is she, uh, what's she getting up to? Is she, I don't know what she's doing. I haven't heard from her in quite some time. Now that, when you don't hear from someone like Miranda Kerr, that either means she is extremely happy and living a very, you know, content life or something's gone wrong. So I, I don't know if someone needs to check on Miranda, but I feel like, you know, Miranda Kerr hasn't been in the spotlight for a while. If she wants to, you know, get her clout trout on and sort of get back into things, a red carpet appearance with Robert Irwin could be the way to do it. So I think it's very exciting and some things to think about there. Keep your eye on Robert Irwin. Up next, we just want to, as always on this podcast, you know, there are some characters we love to follow, we love to check in on. Maybe none more so these days than the king of CTE, the crimson chin himself, Paul Gallen. The great man fought again against Justin Hodges. Obviously, he beat Justin Hodges. He actually just beat him six weeks ago as well. So it's not really, it's not a lot going on there. But crack a fresh dozen on my head. The crimson chin has had the last laugh here. He said before the fight, Paul Gallen, the king of CTE, you know what I mean? Puts fucking brain damage on his wheat bix in the morning. He has made $25 million from these boxing fights over the last three years. Okay? Mate, this bloke has absolutely had the last laugh. 25 mil. I thought he would have been getting like 200k a fight. I do. I cannot wrap, wrap my head around the amount of money he's received. Dude, Paul Gallen is a fucking genius, okay? My hands are up. For those of you not enjoying this on the Restless JPEG, if you're on the airwaves, my hands are up, okay? Jesus Christ, Paul Gallen. What a fucking genius. Who really has brain damage? This guy has 25 million sheets in the fucking bank. Last night, I had a 7-Eleven banana for dinner. So, God, I don't know. I don't understand the promotion of boxing because boxing seems to put on these events that don't seem to have a lot of mainstream draw. You know, he fights on a Wednesday night. No one's talking about it. No one even knows it's on. Bam, 25 million sheets in the bank. So it's obviously it's obviously working. Fair play to Paul Gallen as well for the great work he's done for Australian boxing over the last three years. The only real, real reason I know about boxing in any way, shape or form, not know anything about it, but I'm saying have watched a couple of fights, is really because of Paul Gallen and Jake Paul. So fair play. They're both making a motto. Jake Paul hasn't taken anywhere near the amount of brain damage that Paul Gallen has. But Paul Gallen for 25 million sheets, I mean, you can fucking punch me in the head a few times for that amount of money. Jesus Christ. Paul Gallen walking away with 25 mil, it's like at the end of like a poker movie or like some movie where there's like a big twist where he's just been bluffing the whole time, you know? It's like the end of Scooby-Doo when they're like, all right, let's see who's really who's really the king of CTE. And they take off the Paul Gallen mask. It's like Elon Musk. 
this whole thing was just another capitalist venture from the billionaire himself. I mean, 25 mil. Paul Gallen, congratulations, mate. Fucking hell. You're the toughest cunt I've ever come across, and now you're a multi-millionaire. His face legitimately looks like a 50-cent piece. Like, there are parts of it where you can see the dents from someone's fist and or elbow, potentially in a scrum incident during Origin, going into his supple skull. So, fair play to the Crimson Chin, the King of CTE. This is a formal apology from Get Around Me. Um, I thought you were sort of a local clown and you know, heavily implied that you would regret these boxing matches. But I think the only one with brain damage around here is the bloke doing a podcast out of his fucking bedroom. So fair play, Paul Gallen, and we apologize. All right, legends, this episode of Get Around Me is presented by Manscaped. Uh, It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts, whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Okay, do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Okay, Santa cares about his sack and so should you. Use code word Darcy, D-A-R-C-Y, all capitals, D-A-R-C-Y, for free shipping and 20% off your order. I've got one of these Manscaped lawnmowers. They sent me one in the mail, and it is fucking unbelievable, dude. This thing will change your life, okay? it's There's a confidence, you know, as far as if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. So if you're going out there with some sort of a 1930s bush downstairs in your trousers, like it's the goddamn Great Depression, that's going to be reflected in your attitude and the energy you're giving off, okay? The Lawnmower 4.0, I'm telling you, easiest thing to use. It's got the light on the end of it, safe as houses, thing looks a million bucks, you know, and I just can't recommend it highly enough. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It is everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls, just in time for mistletoe season. Uh, The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package, plus ultra-premium body wash, ultra-premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, and ultra-premium deodorant. Uh, The the Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate presence. Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue using them in the shower. Like I said, there's also a 4,000K LED light on these bad boys. Uh, so you can see exactly what you're doing. It's safe as houses, and I cannot recommend this product enough. Please support the company that supports this podcast. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Darcy, D-A-R-C-Y, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code word Darcy Manscaped. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays, dude. Next up, this is a great story. This got sent to me by a listener. So there's this cricket club in Melbourne, Endeavour Hills Cricket Club. How's this? Over the last year, they have had Chris Gale, Tilakaratna Dilshan, Shoab Malik, um, among others, international superstars play for their club 
And it turns out everyone's like, how are they affording these crazy players at Melbourne subgrade cricket or whatever? I don't know what the league is. And it turns out a guy has just been done for embezzling upwards of $250,000 to pay for these players. And it makes a lot of sense. How's this? Their last game, they had Chris Gale and Tillakrat Nadilshan play. And then at halftime, they had a DJ set from DJ Havana Brown. (laughs) I tell you what, dude, if I'm the police looking for embezzling, I'd very much be looking for DJ Havana Brown popping up at a second grade Melbourne cricket ground. Okay. (laughs) That is a huge red flag, dude. Massive red flag. Chris Gale was like in the mosh at halftime with like a thousand people at a sub-district game catching a vibe. I mean, (laughs) yeah, dude, something's not right here, okay? God knows what they would have had to pay her to rock up for that. And fair play to Havana Brown for securing the bag. Love that for her. But my God, of course this guy was embezzling money, dude. People who embezzle money always get greedy, you know? Always go too far. Because if you take 10 grand, why wouldn't you take 200? You know what I mean? I've got the first one past you. Here comes the second, straight under your stupid nose, mate. But I wanted to talk about this because I actually have been in an incident like this, not an embezzling one, but uh, a similar thing when I played in England where I played, we played this team and we played them, I think, third game of the year. And we had got hammered our first two games. I was the overseas player. It was quite stressful because I think we had got hammered by two teams who didn't even have overseas pros. So it's like, fucking hell, like, let's win a game. And we played, luckily for me, we played the team coming dead last in our third game, a beautiful village ground. Anyway, basically, we played this team. They sucked. I think we chased down 140. I got like 95 not out. Thanks for coming. And the boys got off to a winning start, okay? Now, this team was coming last for the first maybe six or seven rounds of the year. They were woeful, okay? Anyway, not a, I'm not saying it was embezzled, but what happened was a local millionaire in their village took an interest in the cricket club and bought them all these players halfway through the season. So the next time we played them, how's this? One of their opening bowlers was from South Africa. He was about six foot six and... Uh, african-american in skin color and was bowling legitimately about 130 kilometers an hour uh he literally almost killed one of our opening batsmen one of the older fellas just didn't even see it it just hit him like in the neck and he came off i went out there and it was fucking terrifying dude terrifying how quick this guy was bowling the other guy at the other end was bowling almost as quick but he was like six foot nine and he was awkward anyway So we get rock and rolled for 120. They've bought these gun fast bowlers. Then in the second innings, they fucking paid like 80,000 pounds for this former county guy. In chasing down our 110, this guy got 93 not out. He got 93 not out out of the 110, you know? So it just goes to show. And, And this team went from dead last in both the normal comp and the T20 comp to winning both the competitions, you know? So it just goes to show, if mate, there's nothing better at the end of the day. You know, camaraderie, uh, fucking values, hard work, technique, training, skills. These are all useless buzzwords that will be drowned out up against cold, hard cash, okay? 
So whether it's Melbourne sub-district cricket or fucking the Cheshire Cricket League Div 3 or whatever, whatever it is, mate, you know, just pump $100,000 into it and you will win the league, okay? And you could have Chris Gale in the mosh at your local cricket club. So instead of training hard next season, fellas, I'd start doing the rounds and wine and dining some local millionaires and see if any of them are into cricket because it'll do you way more good uh, than actually training ever will, okay? Now, up next, the project for this week. And here's the thing from now on, I'm going to do the project at the end of the episode, obviously. And then after that, I'm going to talk about the Australian cricket team for upwards of 10 minutes. Okay. Cricket started. Summer's started. Um, I know we played England in three one days, allegedly. Okay. I'm still yet to see any proof those games took place. Uh, I can't, I haven't spoken to anyone who's watched or attended those games. I, I do believe in a conspiracy theory that England versus Australia, the three one days never actually took place. And for anyone who says that that isn't the case, prove it. Prove to me those games existed and were real because I don't think they were. Okay. Anyway, so the project for this week, this week, the project is the segment as always where we celebrate Australian talent, killing it here and abroad. This week, we have rapper Illy on the project. And this is, it's not for his music, although I do enjoy Illy, okay? I was 15 years old in 2011. So yeah, dude, I listened to a fair bit of Aussie hip hop. The reason Illy's on the project this week is because at the Arias last week, so apparently each Aria category gets five nominations and there was only four nominations in the R&B and soul category and they didn't nominate a fifth artist because I don't know they didn't think anyone was worthy I think you have to chart with the aria charts or something I'm not going to pretend to know how it works but they didn't nominate a fifth artist which is kind of crap because you know that's just an extra artist where it's it's a good boost for that artist whether they win or not to say you got nominated for an ARIA, you know, it's a credit. It raises your profile in the industry. You get to go to the ARIAs. I'm, I mean, it's endless amounts of positivity for the artist, whoever gets nominated. And they just didn't nominate a fifth. And it was kind of lazy from the ARIAs. So what Illy did, he was presenting the award for R&B and Soul. So what he did was he wore a t-shirt with like six or seven R&B Soul artists who he thinks should have been nominated. He had them printed on his t-shirt as he presented the award in sort of a subtle mugging to the Arias, while also giving a platform to these artists. And I don't think he addressed it on stage. He just delivered the award uh, with the T-shirt on. Maybe he did. I didn't see it. But this is what the project is all about. Australians advocating for Australians. Artists advocating for artists, you know. The reality is in this country, the arts is not something that is, I would say, supported overly well. Uh, especially off the back of COVID. And this is what it takes, you know. The Arias dropped the ball. Illy, an artist with a platform, said, fuck this, I'll sort it out myself. He's helping his fellow artists. No harm, no foul. Well done, Illy. Well done, Illy, you fucking sick son of a bitch. I love it. And All Day used to be signed to Illy's record label. I'm not sure if that's still the case. But Illy, he's got his own record label, One Two Records, I believe it's called. And, you know, just stuff like this, this is what it's all about. Because 
you know, whether it be comedy, music, I don't know anything about acting or how that industry works, but go on then. I did once act in a Superwog sketch that was never released, so I am technically an actor. But here's the thing. Once you get over the hill, over the mountain, and you've made it, you got to fucking throw the ladder back down, lads, okay? And I think if there was a criticism of Australian artists across, you know, any genre, is that we could be throwing the ladder back down a bit um, to those coming after us. And Illy has done that here. That's what the project's all about. Great stuff, Illy. And just before I get into the cricket, I'm not. I'm just going to sort of do a quick drive-by on this because it's sad. But during the week, we had the anniversary of Phil Hughes' death. And it just, it always clips me up every year. One of the saddest things that has ever happened in the world of cricket or otherwise. God, there's nothing really to say about it. I honestly, I will say this is that if Phil Hughes was still alive, he'd be playing his like 93rd test today. Okay, the guy was nothing short of an absolute freak and was well on his way to making his way back into the test team uh, when he passed away. Okay, so... People forget Phil Hughes at 19, back-to-back test centuries in the same game against South Africa. Does anyone understand just the, the fucking level of that? It's just crazy. So Phil Hughes, mate, gone but never forgotten. 63 not out, brother. Fuck, he's been on that for a while, hasn't he? <laughs> he must be doing a bit up in heaven. But yeah, always, always uh, take a moment each year to remember Phil Hughes. Just one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And uh, just a real shame. So anyway, let me talk about the Australian cricket team for upwards of nine minutes. All right. So good week to be talking about the Australian cricket team because the test match series is starting against the West Indies. I'll get into that in a second because it has really been the second fiddle story of the week as far as I think most of the nation is unaware the West Indies are in this country. and. Before I, I'll, I won't even bother talking about it later, really, because I'll tell you this for free. The West Indies have less than zero chance in this series. They are absolutely hapless, okay? They are no good. They barely got past the Prime Minister's eleven. We are going to absolutely decimate the West Indies, okay? And I'm just going to move on from that because, you know, this is a humorous podcast and there's nothing humorous about the way the West Indies are about to perform in the next couple of weeks. So good luck to the lads, but you are a truly woeful test team and you're about to be taught a lesson by one of the most uh, settled Australian test teams we've seen in probably about five years. So looking forward to that. But dude, Justin Langer back in the media. Fucking love it when he is. Go on, JL, you sexy minx. So JL went on a podcast and said that he really, what did he say? He said, There was cowards in and around the Australian cricket team leaking information to the media uh, about what the players thought of him, you know, sort of creating this bad press. And I think, and that may be the case, JL, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of say JL is a liar or is anything like that. I'm pro Justin Langer through this whole thing. I think, I think he should still be coach. I think if you are good at your job, In fact, if you're unbelievable at your job, which is what he was doing, you should keep it. But I will say this, JL, the problem with JL is that when he is telling people in interviews that he is not a psychopath and the problem isn't him, 
I don't think he realizes what a raging psychopath he looks like, okay? When he's literally, mate, the guy's eyes, I w- I'm so surprised this man hasn't served in an active war zone. If you look into Justin Langer's eyes, you can see fucking Vietnam flashbacks and shit, dude. Whatever is going on behind this guy's eyes at night is not chill, okay? <laughs> So And he's looking down the barrel of the camera, looking fucking furious, going, they're cowards, mate. They're all cowards. No one came to me. They, they, what's my issue, mate? These cowards, these dogs. He's like spitting into the microphone, just going nuts. And it's like, mate, we need to work on presenting you to the media with a bit less of a harsh tone, JL, because I feel like the fact that you look like an active serial killer is potentially detracting from some of the points you're making, brother. Okay? <laughs> the way he hits the word coward, it's like someone slept with his wife in front of him. You know? He's a coward. You know? He's like, you can't get it out. With you know? He's just, he can't fucking, his face can't be angry enough, you know? Fucking, he's like, I've got a great relationship with all the players. Some of them, though, are absolute. He's just, his face is so screwed up when he hits the word coward. He's like, he's winding up. He's like, some of them, though, are just cowards. Like, he just, <laughs> mate, JL, mate, if you just made some of these points and just maybe a couple of smiles, mate, a couple of smiles. I don't know what Justin Langer's smiling looks like. I assume it's fucking terrifying. Okay, but maybe if is there a way we can present JL to the media where he can talk about Pat Cummins, some of the players, the situation that unfolded without sort of giving off the vibe that he might have one of them in his car boot. Okay. <laughs> it's really quite quite distressing, but I understand I am pro JL. I don't think he should have been sacked. I think it's going under the radar that Andrew McDonald is currently the Australian cricket coach, if anyone's actually aware of that. And anyway, the thing is, JL isn't wrong, okay? He's calling the players saying, Pat Cummins, I don't know who the other players are at the time. Tim Payne, he mentioned on the podcast. Uh, By the way, this podcast, whatever that podcast is called, what a jackpot. They get Justin Langer on. You go, fuck, I hope we get something we could possibly clip up and put on Instagram. And Justin Langer just starts going absolutely fucking nuts on the mic. It's been all over Fox Sports News all week. It's just a podcast. I love it. So good on those lads. And Tim Payne, Pat Cummins, he's Justin Langer saying basically he would call them up and say, have you got an issue with me or not, mate? Let's talk about it. And Pat Cummins be like, nah, who told you that, mate? I love you. And then it comes out in the media that, Senior players in the team don't like Justin's coaching style. So you can understand the frustration where he's like, well, I just spoke to Paddy Cummins. He told me he bloody loves me. He told me he wants to bloody get a sandwich with me in Coogee, you know? And then he's finding this stuff out. But Mitch Stark actually gave a really good interview on it. Um, Really uh, interesting what Mitch Stark had to say about it. So Mitch Stark was asked about what he thought about Justin Langer calling the boys cowards. And, and the, that whole situation. And Mitch Stark said he didn't know much about it, that he likes JL and they should ask someone else. So more fascinating insights from Mitchell Stark. God, that guy interviews well. Um, I think, honestly, Mitch Stark, 
Josh Hazelwood and Pat Cummins should start a podcast where someone asks them a question and they go around the room avoiding it and smiling for 45 minutes and then and then they say, yeah, but the camp feels really good and they leave. And that's the podcast every week, you know? <laughs> oh my God, some of the Aussie boys. But I will say, as far as like the narrative around the Australian cricket team not really connecting with the public in the way that previous teams had, I mean, it's these sort of interviews where you go, fucking hell, mate, this is just boring, you know? Like Shane Warne would be in the um the pre the pre series press conference. He's like, yeah, I've invented three new cricket balls. I've got the Zooter coming my way for their opening batsman. This bloke, this bloke's not going to be able to sleep at night before I'm running into bowl. I'm going to be all over him. And you're just going, holy shit! I can't wait to see this Zooter. What the fuck is this? Whereas, like, mate, honestly, like, fair's fair. I don't want to sort of be too negative, but. If you had to have a beer with Cummins, Hazelwood, and Stark, it's kind of like you got stuck with someone's nan at like a family friend's barbecue. And you got to, you know what I mean? She's talking about the weather. You're like, God, this is tough sledding, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty clear that here's the thing. Justin Langer is a fantastic coach. And unfortunately, he's also a raging psychopath. And those things can both be true. Okay, Justin Langer, it can be unfair he got fired because he was doing a fantastic job, while at the same time, the players wanted him fired because he was abrasive to be around. Those things can both be true. That's the thing. I think Justin Langer should honestly stop talking about this. He's bordering on ex-girlfriend energy here. Okay, mate, it's done. To come out the week before the first test, detract away from a series that already no one gave a fuck about, you know, it's just a bit how you're going. And I know that if Justin Langer was a player and an ex-coach was acting like he was, he he probably wouldn't care for it. So the samurai himself, Justin Langer, I think we've honestly heard enough, mate. Okay? Unless you can come out and present this information in a less hostile, more productive way, honestly, mate, just go take up golf. Okay? We've had enough. So anyway... Look, Test Cricket's back, and what does that mean? It means the patron saint of this podcast, Usman Khawaja, has returned. Now, here's what you want to do. If you guys want to have a fun Christmas with your family, you're going to withdraw all of your superannuation. You're going to put it all on Usman Khawaja to score 100 in the first test. When he scores that 100, you're going to take out that superannuation. You're going to buy your friends and family some fantastic gifts uh, with the free money you've just acquired, okay? Uzi is back. Um, pretty much the only thing I've ever been right about on this podcast is that Usman Khawaja should have been in the test team. Look what happened when he came back in. He's averaging about 120 since his return. I'm telling you, Uzi's the man. I'm calling it here. Knock on wood. Uzi to turn up against the West Indies in one of these two test matches. I think he's just going to be too good. Okay? And, and also, the thing about Uzi is fucking... He was the only bloke who actually stood up to JL... It was in the test documentary. He's been candid about it in other interviews. Uzi was the only bloke who stood up to him and said, mate, what do you, I don't like this. Let's, let's do something else. Remember in the test doco when JL was like, all right, we're doing new ball training, wet decks, making it hard. And Uzi was like, mate, to be honest, I want to do some more drills, like just playing and missing for an hour and the Nets isn't doing that much for me. And Justin Langer, you know, maybe this is sort of the root of some of the criticism 
Uh, Justin Langer very candidly told Usman Khawaja uh, to shut the fuck up. Okay? So Uzi, um, he's courageous on and off the field. We absolutely love him. And yeah, I would love to see... My dream for this summer is to see Uzi turn up multiple times and then retire at the end of the summer. Okay? Because he's 36, going on 37. Might be 35. The problem with Uzi is because of his age, he's literally two test matches away from getting dropped. And that's... I don't want that, but that's just the reality of this situation. Um... So I would love to see Uzi have another electric summer and be walking off at the SCG at the end of the summer with the bat raised. Big thanks, Uzi, on the screen. I'm crying, dude. I'm crying in the stands. Okay, so Test Cricket is back. The Australian summer of cricket has started, okay? I, I do not buy into any of the cricket that's happened over the last six weeks. Usman Khawaja is back, and it's all happening, dude. So thanks for listening. Uh... The podcast went heaps long this week for whatever reason. Rowan Arneal has recovered from COVID and is back in the second half. So check that out. A great episode with him. The live episode is tomorrow, Friday, December 2nd in Sydney. Tickets via the link in my Instagram bio. And apart from that, dude, go Usman Kawaja. And thanks for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too gone. All right, legends, welcome back to yet another second half of the podcast. Rowan Arneal, our sweet baby boy, has returned a week off due to COVID-19. Rowan, how are you going? I'm well. Yeah, I'm out. You're back, mate. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good. Now, mate, there was rumors going around on the podcast last week that you are actually not vaccinated. So how did how did COVID sort of treat you? I would love to be unvaccinated. I am vaccinated. Really? Yeah. I thought you were, but I think it's just with you, you look like someone who isn't. I love pretending I'm unvaccinated. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. How many people at house parties have you told you're unvaccinated? I tell comedians. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Live in the city. (laughs) Dude, it's so weird how like uh, stand-up comedy, the stand-up comedy universe became like a fucking rally for vaccinations for like six months there yeah people were trying to shut down like open mics in Parramatta because people were unvaccinated yeah I mean that was back we were in the trenches for a while there but it was your first time having COVID wasn't it yeah yeah I got sick I got ill I got fucked around the first time but then and then I reckon I've had it like three times this year minimum maybe a fourth I'm the only person I know that threw up from it you threw up yeah that might be unrelated. You might just have like a bitch stomach. I am weak. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like a sick guy. I reckon when you get sick, you just turn into like a puddle. Oh, bro, it's pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the messages I was sending to my girlfriend. She needs to break her phone or something. Like just like oh my temperature. Oh, it goes between being so like I'm I'm unwell. Everything sucks. To also trying to like solicit nudes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a hard line to ride between, oh, I'm so sick. Can you get me some Panadol and maybe send me a topless photo to cheer me up? Because I'm not doing very well. <laughs> it's so pathetic to get horny when you're sick. Dude. But it's I the mean, only way I know how to get sick. The only way you know how to get sick or the only way you know how to get horny? The only way I know how to deal with being sick. Is just to fucking blast a few off. Is to really just kind of send it through a few bad messages. Wow. 
Okay, that's, that's COVID nineteen for you. So that that's going to be an interesting dynamic in the marriage. If you're like, oh fuck, Rowan's got a bloody cold again, so I've got to send him nudes. He's so horny. <laughs> it's masculine power. So like, if you have like a neurofin plus, do you get like an erection? Is there like a weird thing in your mind now where you're like, oh, I'm sick? Yeah, it's just I've got to roll around in bed. I need attention. Yeah, Jesus I, Christ. I, after after a festival, I sent her. Text just being like, I'm not feeling very well. Can I please have a picture of your tits? Oh. <laughs> My friend next to me just being like, gross, dude. What, what is that? And is that does that help your immune system, do you think? Do you think I, it raises morale? It raises morale for sure. That's what it's for. That's what it's for, yeah. It's a morale raiser. Mate, here's the thing is anyone can enjoy nudes when the going's good. Yeah, exactly. You know when you really need them? When the chips are down. When the chips are down. Imagine that if you just like, that was a thing, like anytime something went wrong, you're just like, babe, I just got fucking fired at work. I'm going to need, I'm going to need a full frontal. <laughs> I, I always say the exact same thing. I say, urgent. <laughs> babe, it's urgent. <laughs> Time is a factor. I need, I need a fucking chest photo in the next 23 minutes. Drop whatever you're doing. Drop whatever you're doing. Oh, yeah. Marcus has been really mean to me today. Um, urgent, urgent, urgent. Had to do 20 minutes of overtime at work. Please, please act quickly. Oh, how's this? I um, I had to go suit shopping. I went to my sister's wedding this weekend. Oh, yeah. And you emceed your sister's wedding. You we got to talk about that. You should have seen how handsome I looked. I'll show you a photo after this. Like... Well, I could see you scrubbing up nicely. It, do you know what it is, though? It's always surfy guys in formal clothing. Always look cute. So cute. Because they look like they're wearing like their dad's suit or something. I was wearing like a blue, grey, kind of like patchy... I don't know what, how to describe a suit. But it was beautiful. It was beautiful? I went shopping with my mate Marky, who also needed some things. This is like so true of male friendship. He messaged me before, the day before being like, Hey, I'm getting RMs tomorrow. You're not allowed to say anything rude. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm committing. You're not allowed to call me uh, like a swan supporter or anything embarrassing. Yeah, you're not a, a allowed to make class jokes at my mm. expense. You're not allowed to imply I'm some sort of a tycoon. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to imply my dad is a mining magnate. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't. I was good. And the thing with R.M. Williams is like, because, mate, if I got a pair of R.M. Williams... It'd be a fucking war zone around here. Exactly. Like, I'd have to send messages, like, warning the lad saying, I've just purchased these. <laughs> begin wrapping your head around the fact that I'm going to begin wearing them. Yeah. Like, I, if, mate, if I just walked in here and Macro and Adzi were sitting there, God forbid they've had a couple of beers. Yeah. If I just walked in unprompted with R.M. Williams on my feet, mm. holy shit. Who do you think you are, Billy? Yeah, there's a Who lot of Who do that. you think you are? Well, well, well. <laughs> yeah. Look at this piece of shit. I told him I was going to buy him a Swans membership with them. And he goes, AFL is off limits, mate. That is an OL. I'm never watching AFL. Oh, really? <laughs> Dude, I think I think you get a Swans membership with the boots. Isn't that how it works? That's what I think. I think you get a free Swans membership and your missus gets free lip fillers. <laughs> I think that's what comes with every purchase of some beautiful RM Williams boots. The only thing is you have to guarantee... Um, the person at the store that you will not do any manual labor in them. Oh, no. Yeah. You have to sign a thing saying, I am a concrete cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those boots will know nothing of a world outside of concrete. Yeah, exactly. These boots will look beautiful under my desk in the city. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fucking oath, dude. So, wait. So, you've 
you've got the new suit. Mm-hmm. What about this? My mum said I need a new suit. And uh, such a, it's like, she was like, yeah, you should really get a new suit. Your one's looking a bit old. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things I should get. Yeah, I don't know if you need to be a two-suit person, really. I don't think so either. <laughs> For, to wear it twice a year, I don't care that it it's, looks fine. It's blue. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and then it's like, mum's like, yeah, you should just go buy a new suit. It's like, well, why don't I just take $800 and light it on fire? Because <laughs> that's how much use I get out of a suit. The only times I wear suits is... Like if I go to the races one day a year and if someone in my life passes away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my dad was trying to stop me from buying one. I was like, I'm emceeing my sister's wedding. He's like, just use one of mine. I'll get like a cheap one somehow or like, don't do it. And I'm like, mate, you're talking to Rowan Arneal here. All my clothes are covered in paint. I'm not a victim of the textile fast fashion industry. Yeah. (laughs) I'm allowed to buy a suit for my sister's wedding. I was about to say, most of your clothes are probably secondhand from op shops. A hundred percent. Yeah. This has paint on it right now. I know. Dude, I used to fucking trash my suit when I used to go to the races and I was like 21. Mm. Just come home. Mum would be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Dude, one time, I swear to God, I got so blind at Randwick, I came home with a woman's blazer on. (laughs) I once launched a piece of birthday cake at my mate's suit and then just squished it in. Oh, dude. He just looked up at me. He's like, what the fuck, man? And I'm like, ah. Yeah, there's something about it. Dude, my, my, cause the suit, the blazer I picked up, uh, it was navy like mine. And my, I was like, mom, it's not a woman's blazer. I go, you're out of your mind. She goes, Billy, it's got shoulder pads. <laughs> Dude, I was wearing like this freaking, I was wearing some five foot four lesbians blazer out at Randwick and it was all happening. But it, it didn't even occur to me, you know, like. So and, and so, would have been hilarious if it looked better. Oh my god, I felt, mate. If anything, I felt fucking good with the shoulder pads. Mm, yeah. It was a power up. <laughs> yeah. You know, blokes are fucking blokes are coked up out at Randwick. I was ready to go, but dude, the thing with the <laughs> and here's the thing is, so I've got to look at that behaviour, mm. and then I've got to look at eight hundred dollars, <laughs> and I got to think, am I really going to spend eight hundred sheets of my own money? Mm. To go to Randwick and potentially come back with a woman's blazer on. Because, mate, here's the thing. I'm 27. I'm a fully qualified gentleman. But I cannot look him in the eye and guarantee that won't happen again. Exactly. Right. So, that's the thing. I, I spent a fair bit of money on a suit. And then I passed out on the grass for an hour and a half. Here's on the, the wet grass. Immediately. Anytime I'm going to be wearing a suit, oh, my God, tools are down. When, when was the last time you wore a suit and did not consume at least 12 schooners? I don't think in my life. Because even like at a wake, like the last time I wore my suit was a, a friend's funeral. And mate, the wake, you know when the wake starts to shift? Where like 40 <laughs> minutes into the wake, you just, you're into your third beer going, fuck, bit of a vibe on here. <laughs> Dude, the last four wakes I've been to, I've left wrecked. Yeah, yeah. You let the emotion out and then you start getting pissed and you're just like, holy shit. Yeah, it's fuck. good. It's real good. But, mate, so the wedding, uh, you emceed your sister's wedding in the Hunter Valley. Mm. Pretty bloody full-on life event in the Arneal house. Yeah, was yeah. it controversial that you got the MC call-up? I don't know who else would have done it. Yeah, but were people like... Because sometimes people, when... Because I'm emceeing a wedding coming up. I'm emceeing my cousins. I've emceed a mate uh, last year. Sometimes with weddings, the vibe is, we don't want Billy to go up there and say something fucking weird. Yeah, well, my sister called me and I was... was and asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah. And then I pitched this joke to her. 
And she was like, you can't say that. No. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, the, the creative juices have started flowing. Yeah. So, and hey, <laughs> all part of the process. Um, next time I think of something, I'm not going to ask you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> She's like, no, you can't make fun of him. He's sitting on the table alone. Um, no, don't. You can't be mean to him. And I was like, all right, okay. Well, I was going to. But. So, so how'd you go? Were you, um, because you sort of lack, uh, you know, energy and, and emotion traditionally. Is that, you've given me a look like that's an unfair assessment. I'm a charismatic guy, Billy. Yeah, but it's an understated charisma. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying as far as, you know, the wedding environment, did you did you just settle into Rowan Arneal's cadences or did you ham it up a bit? I, I was pretty I was pretty hammed up and then I went emotional. You went emotional? Yeah, I shed a tear. You shed a tear? I shed a tear. I was oh, pretty excited. On the mic? On the mic, mate. Mate, if you shed a tear on the mic as the MC, mate, that can like rev the event. Oh, I was People very love beautiful. to cry at weddings. Yeah, I got amped up because- I was. I just did naturally think of lots of jokes, and then my mom was like, "You know, like she doesn't want a comedian to MC a wedding. She wants like her brother." I was like, "Oh, mate." Whoa, mum. There we go. That is a fucking yeah. It's time to get emotional. Oh, she doesn't want a comedian. She wants her brother. Mm. Dude, I'm about to cry hearing that. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, wow, Mrs. Arneal, smash that one out of the park. And um, yeah, and then I let a bit of emotion loose and said, sorry, I, um, I've just never cried before. So, this is very startling for me. <laughs> got a big laugh, got out of it, opened the speeches. So, you've got the- Oh, wow. That's how you stick a landing. It was fucking a masterclass. And feeling. no one's expecting you to cry as well. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because if like, you know, you get bloody, you know, maybe the maid of honor and she's had four glasses of champagne and it's just, it's going nuts, you know, like she's, mm. she's a wreck up there. But- the surfy brother MC, no one's expecting that. Yeah, no one ex- starts expecting me to talk about how protective my older sister's been in my life. Oh. oh. There we go. So oh my beautiful. God. And then I, as soon as I was done with that, it was like, all right, now I can get proper pissed yep. and really fuck around. Yeah. Did you did you talk for very long? Because when I MC'd a wedding, I only probably did like five minutes and then- Yeah, I probably did like three, really. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to do a lot of time. I fucking run a tight ship, though. I, I, One thing I cannot handle at weddings, any event really, but any, like, 21st, but 21st are different. Weddings, when people talk through the speeches, mm. like, I, no one enjoys public speaking. Yeah. So, I, I, I hate it when you see some fucking stupid tradie bloke, and he's just talking through the speeches, and you can see, like, you know, whoever it is, is already mm. having a tough time, you know? Without you bloody talking through them. Yeah, yeah. When I emceed, I was like, I will tolerate zero chatting through the speeches. <laughs> like, yeah. I was I was ruling with an iron fist. Yeah, I was telling people to simmer down quite a lot. Yeah. And I swear to God, if I catch anyone vaping in this tent, because it's like a marquee dinner and stuff, I was like, there's no fucking vaping in here. I thought you would have been vaping your head off. Mate, all respect to how much money my sister spent on this. Oh, yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Now, mate, is this too personal a question? Did your sister pay for the wedding herself? Um, I don't know who paid for most of it. I think they did. Yeah, I think that tradition's gone where, like, the bride's dad pays for the wedding. I think my dad might have, like, pitched in a bit, but, like... Yeah. But he also got the um, the location as like, this beautiful farmhouse. It was my best mate from primary school's parents own it. They yeah, just right. bought it, so they got it for free. Oh, really? So, we were just chilling with cows and, like, beautiful pool and, like... Yeah. They got all that for free. So, then it's just, like, booze and food. Yep. And that's kind of it. Yeah, 100%. But when you do rock up to a wedding, you're like, oh, there are lots of hidden costs that I didn't even, like, think about. Just non-stop. Like what? 
like just big printouts of where people are fucking sitting and like yeah, all this hired like stuff. Have you heard about the wedding tax? So if you like call up a bakery and say, I need a fucking cake. Oh yeah. They're like, yeah, it's 200 bucks. And you guys for my wedding, they go, oh, sorry. We said $2,000 because they know they've got you by the balls. Yeah. What, what you're going to get married without a cake. (laughs) My sister did. Did she? My mom did the desserts. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Your family is fucking adorable, babe. Slim them. Yeah. My mate's sister, um, rented a, like a function room, um, by the water in the city and they just didn't tell them they were having a wedding. They just asked to rent the space. Oh, really? And they really? were like, oh, yeah, like $1,000. And then um, they arrived and they're like, oh, this is a wedding. And they're like, doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I tell you what it is. It's none of your fucking business. <laughs> it's people drinking and eating. That's yeah. what it is. It's a quinceanera. Then we're going to do a bloody a 17th birthday. Then it's a wedding to the end, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's normally $10,000. And they're like, weird. <laughs> yeah. Dude, 100%. So sick. Mate, well played. I love well, a cheap wedding. I love someone love that just slipped wedding. it in. Was it a big wedding? How many people were there? Like 115. Yeah, mate. I'm in for big weddings. Yeah. I'm a big wedding man. These people who got married in their backyards to 12 people during COVID, honestly, live and and let live or whatever. (laughs) Not me, dude. (laughs) Not me at all. My wedding's going to be fucking huge. Yeah, you're going to have an enormous Harry Potter wedding. Oh, massively. (laughs) Dude, my bird's going to fucking come in on a horse. (laughs) Doves are going to come out. When I come out of the limo, doves everywhere. Billy's love for showmanship is really going to come out. Oh, my God, 100%. Also, on the program, everyone gets to do three minutes, except my speech will be 27. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be so red hot. Yeah, it's going to be The arrogance of Billy Darcy at his own wedding is going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) What was the vibe of this wedding, mate? Was there, like, drugs flying around or was it, like, quite classy? Because some weddings, mate, you don't really know what you're getting into. Oh, the... Their friends were pretty baggy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they were getting on the bags. I was, yeah. I was being a good boy. Well, you got your family and stuff there, you know. Yeah, I did have one line, I guess. Yeah, but- I mean, well, you got to treat yourself. It's your weekend too. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I went missing for like an hour and a half and someone found me lying down on the grass. Oh, yeah. So, what happened there? You said you passed out. Well, my memory is I rolled a joint and then was like, I'm going to go smoke this and then I'm going to come back. And then I woke up on the grass and was like, where's my joint? So, so do you think you smoked it or? I think it'd be f- safe to assume that. And then I came back and was like, oh, I wouldn't mind a little lie down here. Yeah. And then one of her- In fact, we haven't spoken about this on the pod, mate. Your ability to fucking go unconscious. It's ridiculous, it's man. It's ridiculous. And mate, for- I've got some fucking cracking examples ready to go. <laughs> Dude, um, my ability to sleep. The, fucking, the Central Coast Airbnb incident. Oh, yeah. You, dude, Rowan, this, we had like a house with Freddie and Pat and all the comedy lads up on the Central Coast. <laughs> you passed out on the table on the balcony. Yeah. And we like, this is like 11. Mm. And we continued to hang out and have fun till maybe three. Mm. And you were just on the table. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And then there was also the Melbourne incident. Yeah. That was probably even worse. That was a concrete floor as well. That was a concrete floor in the middle of a living room <laughs> where everyone's hanging out. There was like six of us at kick-ons mm. and you just lied down in the middle of the living room on polished concrete and went to sleep. <laughs> Dude, the amount of times I've woken up and been like, fuck, I blacked out last night. I'm so scared about what I did. And then I look at my messages and someone's just sent me a photo of me asleep somewhere. And I'm like, oh, I was asleep. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of those things. It's better. I mean, I guess it's kind of a good result. 
Oh, it's a bit fucking embarrassing to be sleeping everywhere, though. It's embarrassing, yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. want to say it, yeah. <laughs> that was me. I was goading you into saying it, mate. <laughs> yeah, I can just fall asleep like nothing else. It's nice. Yeah, fucking nice. Any uh, any issues with the wedding, mate? Any dramas? Any any fucking old old boyfriends there going? Um, no, nah, they've been you. together since they're like 15, so. Oh, that's cute as shit, dude. Yeah, they're very love cute. That. Yeah. And he doesn't show his emotions much. So, when he gets all teary-eyed, you're like, oh, this is the oh, good stuff, Oh, yeah. This is the good stuff. I want more sisters so I can have more weddings. Yeah, God. I've got I've got a little sister. That'll, that'll be good. But she's only 20, so hopefully she she's not getting married or anything for quite some time. <laughs> but uh, what else we got here? Oh, yeah, dude. So, what about this? Well, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about, actually, but... Because I've just been living by myself here, dude. Yeah, what's been going around swimming around your head Mate, recently? I had a, I had a tough week. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I honestly think like I was like a, I had like a universe moment last week where I was like, fuck, I think I'm like getting, I need to spend some time by myself because like I just had the weirdest coincidences of like stuff happening where last week I had a gig Monday, mm. no gig Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And like, there's no gigs to do. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, fuck, all right. And then Adzi goes on holiday. Macca is house-sitting. So now I've got this week where I've got no gigs and I'm living by myself. And then you had COVID. And then, so we didn't do the podcast. And then and then I was just kind of like fucking losing my mind for a few days. And you were telling me off mic earlier that this one gig that you had, you bombed horrifically. So, you had that sitting on you as well. Yeah. I'm, well, I still haven't done a gig since, so I'm still technically sitting on a bomb. Um, but it was a productive bomb. I did some brand new stuff. I did some brand new stuff like about the cops, like post-weed oh, nice. post interaction. Um, so, that was good. But yeah, dude, fucking hell. I do not do well by myself. What do you do? You just watch sport by yourself, just kind of get a bit sad. Well, I've been watching the World Cup. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you what I've been doing last week is World Cup, but I'll put a podcast in, turn the commentary off. That's nice. Yeah. So, that's pretty good. And then if the game revs up, you can just turn it on. Mm. But you haven't been watching the World Cup, eh? Not at all. Did you watch the Socceroos on Saturday night? No. You were at the wedding. I was at a wedding, yeah. Pretty average from your sister scheduling the wedding, uh, same time as our our second group game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. She should have looked that up. She should have fucking looked that up, dude. But- uh, were, think- were there lads, were there like diehard soccer fans at the wedding, like sneaking off? I think it was a wog free wedding. No wogs at the wedding. I don't think she would have allowed when that. When I said diehard soccer fans, she just went straight to wogs. <laughs> <laughs> FIFA's ruined soccer for me. It looks so much like FIFA. You mean FIFA looks so much like soccer. That's the point. Yeah, they've done a masterful job, but it just reminds me of my mate about to absolutely smoke me at FIFA every time I watch international so football. You, you've got like PTSD. I'm just so bad at that game compared to everyone else in the world that yeah. I, I kind of don't even respect the sport anymore. <laughs> you don't respect the world game. Why is everyone always into the world game? It's the world game. I know, I know. No one... I don't know. It's upsetting. Dude, I wish I wish I liked it. FIFA was one of those games. FIFA and Call of Duty I had a tough time getting into because, you know, it was fucking Super Smash Brothers and Ratchet and Clank and all this <laughs> shit. It was all fun and games. And then next thing you know, I'm going over to my mate's place to play a bit of PlayStation. And I was so bad at COD mm. that people were like, not only was it like, oh, you're bad. It was like, 
they were fucking furious at me because I was ruining their kill death ratio. I had the same thing. My mates were furious at me for bringing down their KDR. And I'm like, mate, I spend all week with you at school. I've never even heard you talk about this game. I didn't know it was such an enormous part of your life. Yeah, dude, I didn't get it either. And then I was like, like, oh, and there's no thing. It's like, mate, can, can is there an a, a opportunity for me to get fucking shot into one of these <laughs> online games but not have like the craziest Korean kids just... <laughs> Like, it'd be like you respawn and then like, it's like, oh, you're dead again. And mm. I'm like, where did it come from? Well, I got back into, co- I like played it in year nine or whatever. And I was okay. I got okay in the end. And then I decided to like get back into it at like 1920. I was like, oh, cool. I should just play some COD in my room. I bought these. It really honestly started because I bought these camo trackies. And I was like, fuck, it'll be pretty funny if I play COD in these. Dude, 100%. This is so sick. So, I logged back on. And everyone had just no- never stopped playing that were still playing COD. Yeah. And they were so good. And I just got murked nonstop. It was just like two days of just respawning and getting like murked and being like, fuck. Yeah. I remember I had one COD summer where I got into it. Mm. And it, will- it also coincided with like a fucking large chunk of my M&M phase. <laughs> so, it's just Billy Darcy, 15, during the summer, watching cricket all day, playing COD, blasting M&M, getting fucking furious. <laughs> That was a great summer, that, that one. That is a good summer. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. But, uh, but yeah, no, so I've just been watching the soccer and just spiraling a little bit, but not too much. It's been good. <laughs> um, what about this, mate? I read this today. I wanted to run this past you, mate, as someone who we've just sort of clarified is a bit of a, bit of a reckless human. Mate, they reckon schoolies this year. Have you heard about this? Schoolies this year, there's like a huge shift in the culture. They reckon there's a significant amount of people not having a dig. Not going. No, like going, but like going, but like not getting fucked out of their minds. Oh, that seems like fake news. No, they reckon there's been a there's been a cultural shift. I think people have like cottoned on to the fact that like they reckon binge drinking is down. Um, people are like uh, making fucking tents at the beach and shit and making, laughing. People are forming the, connections. So they're still spending money on hotels, but like making casseroles or some shit. What, yeah, what like they're just sort of milling about having picnics and shit like. Dude, I remember getting so drunk at school. He's like, you just wake up the next day, like you're just covered in blood, my, and you're just like, what? My mate, my mate used to get taken by the home by the red frogs every night, and then he just burst into our apartment, and there'd be red frogs, and they're like, he me, he says his name Caesar Salad, and we'd be like, get out, get yes. out, shoo, and they'd be like, okay, is he okay? And we're like, yeah, he's okay. Don't fuck, don't worry about him, dude. What about? So that was the thing in this article. It was the red frogs that were saying. They're not on the tools as much as they used to be up there. Really? They said it's like the best year they've ever had. Wow. That's interesting. I wonder what that is. I think um, it's like, it's like a health thing now. Like people are just more aware of like the dangers of drinking, I think. What? How does that just suddenly happen? I think it's starting to fucking seep into culture a bit. Because, mate, here's the thing is these teenagers are listening to podcasts and shit. We, We weren't listening to any podcasts. Like it was just- I was- Anti any sort of information. Well, there wasn't any. I don't, I don't even know how you would have accessed info at the time. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last like when we were in high school? No one ever jumped on the school bus with information. No, no. There was no tips or tricks. I don't know. So, may- yeah, maybe the. I don't know. Yeah, that's wigged me out a little bit. Yeah, I could tell you rattled, mate. But if you want it, mate, I reckon we should be fucking doing background checks on these red frog cunts just quietly. Yeah, yeah, I don't trust them at no, all. I don't trust them <laughs> at all. 
bunch of <laughs> bunch of weird Christian fellas walking around at one a.m. Yeah. Escorting people home in the middle of the night. Mm, yeah, the, I reckon there's a few instant reports that have probably <laughs> gone through to the keeper. Yeah, I'm sure 98% of them are just kind of dorks, but the 2% that are quite cunning. Yeah, there's definitely some fucking. They're scary enough for me to write off all of them. Yeah, 100%, dude. Did you do any? Did you get tricked into any of those like drinks packages and stuff at schoolies? Like the girls on the street selling the things. No, I was seventeen at schoolies. Yeah, me too. And I went to the Gold Coast. It was the dumbest thing I could have done. I, I so did- I'd just get hammered at the beach with like my two mates who were seventeen, <laughs> and it was like pretty average. <laughs> I turned eighteen up there, and we're like, all right, we'll all go out for Owen's birthday, and then we went to the first venue. And these people that had fought us before on a night out and like beaten the shit out of us were oh, there really? and just tried to fight us again. And we were like, all right, go on home. Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're just trying to track down one of our mates that they reckon glassed them. And I was like, oh, this is a bit of a bummer, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, the trick with schoolies, because we paid fucking a million bucks for Q1 or whatever. Oh, really? And like, mate, the security at Q1 was insane. Like if you're on floor 17, you couldn't go to floor 18 and mm. couldn't bring glass in. And it's like, well... What am I going to throw at someone who pisses me off? <laughs> this can's not going to do much good, is it? But um, but no, but the thing with schoolies was that I found is what you actually wanted was the worst accommodation possible. Yeah, that's what we had. Yeah, because um, Macca and his mates had like some shithole and there was a security guard downstairs, but the guy was fucking like 65 and just a legend mm. and he'd just be rolling cigarettes. He didn't give a fuck, mm. you know? Yeah. So that's what you want. Yeah, I had the same thing. Just the shittest one that no one knew about. And we were just getting fucked up and getting in the sauna and really testing our bodies. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> oh, so dangerous. <laughs> I remember just leaping out of the sauna and just like diving into the pool with Eddie and then taking our pants off at like two in the morning, two in the afternoon, and then just being naked in the hotel pool and then passing out in the spa. Yeah, right. So these kids are probably right. Yeah. I don't know about. Um like, I do want to insult you after what you've just said, but I'm just trying to pick the right tone. <laughs> it's not like you guys are, f- like, it, how would you describe your group? Because it sounds like you weren't fuckwits, but you were definitely, like, off a tree. Yeah, yeah. We were we were very self-sustainable self as well. Like, we, we can just run off our own energy. We, we had absolutely no plans to meet anyone up there or make any friends or even meet any women we were just kind of like we're on our own thing yeah 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 i remember um yeah we were there was a vibe of meeting women but there was like a there was a big uh a brouhaha in my group because like two of the lads punched on like the second night and didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious and it was like it was like over someone's missus um, I can't remember but someone said something about someone's girlfriend and then there was a big punch on and then this is like night two and then so there was a pretty fucking toxic vibe, <laughs> you know? And then, like, it was all picking sides and it was pretty average. My Eddie, we were chilling with these people upstairs, um, these women that were there, and Eddie got all rowdy and stole all their treats. All from- their treats, like what they got a box of favourites up there. Yeah, yeah, shit like that yeah. that they'd gotten for the week. And then we were just sawing and eating the treats and stuff. And my mate was with a girl upstairs and- they slept together. Then he came down with her and we'd gone to bed and she was just sitting on it, their couch. Just, he said, just being like, 
it's so crazy that you guys bought all the same things we bought. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> girl, girls eat, like, eat and drink so much better as well. Like, yes. They would have actually thought about what to get, spent a bit of money on it. Blokes, like, there were days where, like, one packet of Doritos would just go around and sustain us for, like, oh, I watched- upwards of 36 hours. Yeah. I, at schoolies, I bought a bottle of vodka and- um. My mate was like, oh, I was going to buy a bottle of vodka. Do you want to split that one? And then tomorrow, I'll buy a bottle of vodka and we'll split that one sort of thing. Mate, honestly, the fucking, the logic and the thinking from you lads on the ground, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You guys are like a fucking raptor squad or something. (laughs) The synchronization, the movement, the organization. Yeah, well, then it falls off because we split the bottle of vodka. Then the next day, he went and bought a bottle of vodka and he's like- Actually, I think I'm just going to drink all of this. And I was like, well, that's not oh. the deal. And then every day he'd just be like, he'd just rock up trialing and be like, sorry, Rowan, I decided to drink it again. <laughs> Fuck. Jesus Christ, dude. You've been done dirty there. <laughs> dude, Um, when I was at school, I was still in my bourbon and coke phase. Oh, I don't know if I need to see that, Billy Darcy. I don't think anyone does, dude. <laughs> dude, okay, I could go in on this. But also, we used to buy slabs of Nelson County. The cans. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> Who's got a fucking problem? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck are you looking at, cunt? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, dude, uh, what about this? Dude? Would you go in on this? And I know there's some blokes who are going to hear this and they're not going to like it. But drinking cans of pre-mixed bourbon and coke past the age of 19. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fucking. Mate, I gotta it's say, foul. Mate, I gotta say honestly, if I'm fucking, if I'm at a party and there's two twenty-five-year-old blokes, one of them's drinking a bourbon and coke, the other one has a swastika on his fucking forehead. <laughs> I'm not saying I sit with the swastika guy, but I'm saying I have to think about it, dude. Mm, definitely, there's just something about it. It's like, mate, if you're drinking bourbon and cokes, like twelve bourbon and cokes a night, and you're like fucking twenty-seven years old. It's like, mate, what are you? What are we looking for here? Diabetes? Like, you're, you're probably definitely throwing three hundred through the Bricky's laptop as well. I tried to criticize someone for doing that recently. I was like, mate, what are you doing? You're fucking lower class drinking. It's this- a lower class beverage. You're drinking this shit, and he goes, mate, you can have your class. I'll have my sugar. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. The hangovers are brutal as well. Brutal, bro. Like you just wake up, your head's just slamming from the sugar. And the thing is, mate, it's not even the bourbon and cokes. Like, when I used to drink uh, Woodstocks, I enjoyed them. But then, like, you grow out of them. And now I just think, like, mate, if a 30-year-old man drinking a bourbon and coke, that as an isolated incident is whatever. Mm. It's more that this is telling me you're problematic in other areas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. you definitely fucking... You definitely smashed the Bricky's laptop. You mm. definitely... Like, you've definitely got... It's a red flag. Well, it's just not a good beverage, but if you drink enough of them and just make them your thing. But I like Coca-Cola, but the cola that is in <laughs> these things is so fucking disgusting and flat. Even bigger red flag is when a bloke will hoe into, like, a bourbon and Coke, but not even at a session. Like, you're just, like, at a dinner or a barbecue, and oh. they'll just, like, nail, like, two bourbon and Cokes. <laughs> And it's like, what, is he, are you just chilling on these things? Mate, everyone's decided beer is the normal drink. Beer and wine, brother. Just have a beer or wine. Yeah. Dude, we had, um, it was my dad's 61st birthday. Nice. Uh, yesterday, which is nice. I had a glass of champagne. Nice. Yeah, champagne. Don't really get around it, but I will do it for birthdays and that sort of stuff. Just for the image. I like the feeling of it for sure. I like the feeling for sure, you know. Go I- straight to your head. I like the drunk of it. Because obviously, as we mentioned earlier, I'm an incredibly sleepy drunk. 
Yeah. So I like to stay on the champagne and wine. A hundred percent. The other thing, mate, how's this? Champagne. Then, mate, Jenny Darcy smashed this barbecue yesterday. Prawns and oysters came out with the champagne. Oh. First prawns of the year, mate. That's good. First prawns of the year. Because I'm not one of these people, mate. I'm not eating prawns in June. No, no. I'm not eating prawns, you know, willy-nilly. I'll, mate, if the oysters come out in June, mm. I'll fucking nail a couple of oysters. I got into oysters massively this year. Just for the vibe and the image. Well, you're a patriot. I'm a patriot. Yeah. And uh, I'm an East Coast king. Mm. And and what do- Sydney rock, mate. Sydney rock. Sydney rock only. Sydney rock only, please. No questions. And, mate, there's something about an oyster, like, I'll admit, they're expensive and I don't really understand the point of them. <laughs> but when if you have a glass of champagne and a couple of oysters, God forbid, you know, a couple of the men and or women at the table are looking good, you know, a bit of mm. a vibe on. There's something about it, dude. It's like a class thing. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever the opposite of a bourbon and Coke feeling is. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I, I reckon there's definitely a correlation here. You can't tell me a bloke who drinks bourbon and Coke is going to climb into an oyster. Exactly. It's yeah. beyond his palate. It's beyond his palate to do so. People are very weak. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing is like the bourbon and coke guys, it just it's a red flag for me because it just tells me that you found something that suited your palate at sixteen mm. and you haven't got out of that gear since. Yeah, yeah. You gotta keep plodding along. Keep plodding along, mate, you know? Man, I've I've had a long neck woodstock. We've all had a long neck woodstock, mate. You know why? It's because I couldn't handle beer. Yeah, dude, and 100%. Then I got bullied into handling beer. 100%. Some 32-year-old guy standing over you saying, Scull it or I'm going to oh, beat the shit out of you. Someone drinking cider and they're like, oh, I just never liked beer. And I was like, yeah, I was there too. Yeah, dude. I used to drink uh, Summersby pear ciders. Yeah, totally. You want to talk about sugar in a beverage. <laughs> Those things are just fucking cordial, dude. Holy shit. Dude, they have so much sugar in them. I would, I would get a six-pack, but I would have to make sure I'd eaten something beforehand. Not because I would get too drunk, but because the sugar would just like, it would be like stomach pains on the Summersby's. I've poured out, I haven't managed to finish a few six packs of Summersby's before. It's brutal, dude. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's like a a bloke climbing into Summersby cider at like 23. It's like, mate, that tells me you can't handle hardship. (laughs) Just have a 4X and then just keep drinking them until they feel normal. Yeah, I know. Well, here's the thing, mate, is no one climbs into a VB at 15 and goes, fucking hell, that tastes good. Exactly. It's it's peer pressure. It's bullying. Stockholm syndrome. Toxic masculinity. Keep the list going. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the same reason Marcus is scared to buy RMs in front of me. Exactly. Is why I love beer. Exactly, dude. And you don't want to be that guy. I remember um, we were at this, well, I was at this uh, Christmas party for this office job I worked when I was like 19. It was a telemarketing thing. Mm. And I remember this like 41-year-old guy was paying, because it was open bar, beer, wine, beer and wine only. And then he was paying like $16 for double bourbon and Cokes at at an open bar. And here's the thing. That's where I think preference and a man's palate gets out of control. Yeah. Because, mate, if you were telling me you hate beer and wine so much to the point where you're going to pay $16 a beverage at a fucking free bar... Like, mate, seriously, like, these are the same blokes who are like, oh, I can't touch avocado, mate. It was like, well, when's the last time you had some? Uh, 1983. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, mate, climb into something here, okay? Not everything is going to be fucking an absolute party on your tongue. You know what I mean? Exactly. Sometimes you just got to grow into it, mate. Haven't Keep you, trying. Keep you, trying. Keep fucking trying. Haven't you ever just absolutely grit your teeth at a friend's house and just just got through a truly disgusting meal their mother has prepared? <laughs> 
You know, it's like nothing but fucking tomato and penicillin. I'm allergic to both. <laughs> but you just go, thanks, Mrs. Thompson. It was fucking delicious. Mm. You know why? Because you've got a bit of self-respect. Mm. And maybe, you know, your palate doesn't come first in every situation. <laughs> maybe your palate isn't correct. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you know when someone, like, kicks up a fuss at, like, a dinner table environment. Maybe you're at a, out, out at a restaurant, like, someone's girlfriend or boyfriend who, like, has been brought to the event, mm. like a plus one. I've seen plus ones kick up a stink before. Really? That's yeah. so humiliating. It's if, so humiliating. If my plus one ever kicked up a stink. Dude, if you're a plus one, eat whatever the fuck is in mm. front of you. I saw this plus one. We were getting like starters and the plus one. We, what are those things? It's like fucking, uh, they're like, they're like come in a flower form, but they're kind of like, it's like zucchini flowers, I want to say. Yeah, zucchini fritters kind of thing. Zucchini fritters, flowers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The stuffed zucchini flowers. Stuffed zucchini flowers. So, there's there's some big hype on the zucchini flowers. Fucking oath. I love zucchini flowers. They're good. So, I'm, I'm like a no fuss, no must guy. I honestly don't give a shit. I feel like by me being flexible with the food and drink, that's going to buy me some credit points if, if I get belligerent later on. <laughs> okay, so... I'm easy for whatever. I saw a plus one say, I don't eat zucchini. And then and then we didn't get the zucchini flowers. What the fuck? On the say-so of a plus one. Oh, bro. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And here's the other thing is because they're a plus one, you don't know them as well. Mm. If you pull this shit at the table, I say, Rowan, shut the fuck up. Well, if you don't like zucchini, then you cannot eat it. You cannot eat it. Or you could not upset the vibe for a second and just not even mention it. Not even mention it. And then when there's an extra zucchini flower, I'll be like, oh, someone else can have that. Beautiful. Now, now you've gone from complaining. Now you're adding val- value to the table. I hate when people just upset the, the general vibe of a dinner. It's so upsetting. Dude, honestly, you could fucking stick a pen three centimeters into my arm. <laughs> if I honestly thought it was going to affect the vibe, I wouldn't say anything. I would not say a thing. I would not say a fucking thing, dude. I could have fallen into a river on the way there and be sodding wet and just not mention it. Dude, what about this? Like, How, I'm great. How's this for- Yeah. Dude, how's this for one where I've just gone, fuck, pin the ears back, Bill. Do not say a fucking thing. We went on this, be- be- probably the best restaurant I've ever been to in my life, Frieda's Field out near Byron. Oh, nice. When I was up there earlier this year. Mate, I'm maybe the most hungover I've ever been. It's like 30 degrees. It's fucking crazy. Like, I'm literally about to vomit at the table, mm. okay? I feel so ill. We- we've got the beers in. It's like a 12 o'clock thing. We were on the gas till like 4 a.m. the night before. Mm. It was like a big group. It was maybe 12 of us. Um, up for the for like three days. Mm. First entree comes out, raw swordfish. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mate, I'm literally <laughs> gagging in my mouth as it comes out. It's like raw swordfish. You know when you go to nice restaurants and you're tasting flavors, you're like, I didn't even know that was a flavor. Mm. So it's like this fucking raw. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I should just swallow it or try to chew it. And it's like, you know, when it's like coming back up halfway down the fucking esophagus and I'm following that down with like this triple IPA that was ordered without consenting me and the, I'm fighting the urge not to vomit. Mm. Billy Darcy finished his swordfish that day, mate. Beautiful. I get, mate, and do you know what? I get into the table. Some people love it. You figured out that you had to chew it? Chewing helped. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Massively. And some people love the swordfish. I honestly was like fucking about to vomit. <laughs> But guess what? The vibe was not affected. Of course not. I put the vibe before myself. I get through the swordfish. The next course was like fucking steak or something we can mm. all enjoy. On to the next. Mm. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's about uh, it's about putting the group before yourself, mate. I'll get horrific news, not even mention it if I'm in a group <laughs> environment. I'm like, oh, well, 
Oh, yeah, 100%. Auntie's in hospital, not going to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All good, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it was nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll deal with that in the bathroom later. I'll just... Yeah, dude. You ever get a text at like a dinner party where you're like... Not, not like bad news, but you're like... Ugh. That's, <laughs> that is... That's something I really need to sort out. <laughs> you're just like three beers in. It's fucking no good, dude. It's honestly no good. Mm. How long have we done? We've done 43 minutes. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I wrote something down here. It feels like a pretty good episode, mate. Building some momentum yeah. back after your week off. Yeah. Tough for you to have a week off when we just had that good episode following the stinker the week before. <laughs> really needed you there last week, mate, so we could build on that momentum. But this one's not too bad at all. Um, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, I ran into... Yeah, I ran into all my, uh, like a whole table of my old high school teachers at the pub on the weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. But I might talk about that on the solo pod, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you it was like, it was all irrelevant. Like no one who had made an impact on my life. Oh, okay. So then you're just like, you're like, God, I'm getting the awkwardness of this interaction without, like you haven't done anything to earn this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd just walk away from a lot of teachers, I think. Yeah. Well, I got um that teacher a teacher that once like he found out it was my birthday and got everyone in the class to give me birthday bashings and then really? when and got an older kid um like a footy head to come in and just like smack smoke me because we had a bit of a rivalry me and this roll call teacher oh really jesus christ oh bro so not on for a teacher so funny dude i remember this one teacher um and i loved her she was a great teacher but um, the class had caught wind that I, at the time, looked pretty much identical to the kid from the Mad Magazine cover. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, dude. Anytime I got my hair too short in high school, it was a fucking bloodbath out there. Me too, bro. Because my ears stick out and I got freckles and I looked like I was about 11. Everyone, just suddenly I'm Ellen DeGeneres. Oh my God, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. I used to get Dumbo a lot. It was a <laughs> fucking nightmare. So what are this? This teacher, Miss Mac, and she was honestly awesome. This was a, a rare blip from her. She literally, like, mid-class, mid-class goes on Google Images, gets the Mad Magazine kid, then goes into the school server that, like, she has access to, we don't, and gets my fucking school photo from that year and puts them up next to each other on the screen. And it's literally, like, the whole class just laughing at me for, like, seven minutes, taking photos. Miss Max out of her chair. She can't, it's the funniest thing she's ever fucking heard. Oh, that's sick. So, yeah, that was an absolute mugging. And that, like, that went on social media and stuff. Like, this is fucking... An, this is a genuine assist from the teacher. Yeah, that's rough. She was the religion teacher as well. So, it's like, fuck. We were learning about peace, weren't we, miss? I'm not feeling too goddamn peaceful right now. Oh, I, so I saw that teacher that got them to... um. He'd given me a yellow card before and then he, he needed to You guys to have twist. a yellow card system? Yeah, yeah. You fucking savages at your public school <laughs> getting literally like condemned with colours. That's a blue That's a blue level offence. Get, get three of them. It's in school suspension, mate. In school suspension? Yeah, there's nothing worse. What's that? You get suspended from classes, but you just have to like sit in a room in, in office. You don't get to chill at home. Oh, really? Yeah. It's worse than being suspended. Did you ever get an in school nah, suspension? Nah, nah. Were you a bad kid? I mugged people off a lot, but I wasn't like, I wasn't throwing chairs at the fans like the other cunts. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I would say I was a quite a good kid, but any negatives that I may have brought to the table were so vastly outweighed by what some of the footy lads were doing. Yeah, exactly. That it's like, I'm not even on the radar for like mm. worst kid. Like, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and like I saw some like absolute like I thought I was rude to some teachers, and then I'd see what people in the year above me were doing to that same teacher, and I'd be like, oh well, she's never going to think about me. Yeah, dude, a hundred percent. Have you got any mates who've become a teacher where you just thought, fuck, you're going to get absolutely pieced up out there? Nah, no, no. I got a couple of mates who became teachers where I'm like, I don't. I'm sure you have the skills required to teach, but like- <laughs> A lot of them don't though. But it's like, do you have the personality and like the emotional fortitude required? Mm. You know what I mean? Like people who are like terrified of public speaking become a teacher and it's like, that's all teaching is. Yeah, yeah. I reckon I'd be so fucking good at putting people in their place. I'd love it, dude. Because my dad's English teacher, so he's got it. He's like, my whole life, it's just he'll just go, you thought that was a good idea, did you? And oh, really? Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, Jesus. You seem like a smart guy, but then you do all these things. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I seem like a smart guy. Great. Yeah. Cool. That's the that's a vintage teacher moment where as they're punishing you, they like they will pretend to get around you. They're like, Billy, I like you, mate. I like you, but you know, you seem smart. You, you know, you've got a good rapport with the other kids. I just don't know what the fuck you're thinking sometimes, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I've got and, that one. and you're thinking like this guy loves me, and then, then the hammer drops, and you're like, yeah, nah. You're like, yeah, I am a fucking idiot. Yeah, you're right. You tried to throw something out the window, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well, it did seem kind. Of- I gotta go. You get turned up. Dude, you're I excited. got excited. Yeah, I got so clipped up by one of my favorite PE teachers once. I'd yelled something at the minibus at like a person on the street, mm. and uh, you know, I'm fucking. Even back then, I could really lay it on thick. I go. Um, old Mr. Gray, he goes, he goes, Billy, like we got to the beach. It was like for fucking PE or whatever. And he goes, Billy, let's have a word. And I, before I even get there, man, I'm like fucking full press conference mode. I go, Grayski, mate, I know what you're thinking. It was reckless. It was stupid. I let the other boys peer pressure me into doing it. I should think for myself and uh, it won't happen again. You know, it was, it was stupid. I wasn't thinking I'll be more considerate. He goes, mate, what the hell are you talking about? You're just a fucking idiot. <laughs> he goes, get rid, get, get rid of that horse shit. He goes, just don't do it again. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so good at getting in trouble and then seeming like I'm their best oh, friend. That's dude. like my favorite thing to get it's- sent outside in English and be like, Miss, I don't know why I do stuff like this. I'm so silly. Like, yeah. I, I'm not thinking. I'm an idiot. It won't happen again. She's like, well, as long as you think that, Rowan, well, as long as you think that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my best and worst qualities is I can apologize really well. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll look you in the eye and everything. I'll, like, if I get in trouble at a workplace, and they'll be like, oh, well, it's just the higher-ups. And I'm like, mate, the higher-ups are putting that on you. That's unfair. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I used to love it. I, <laughs> I, I used to walk away from getting in trouble being like, fucking oh. Yeah, I know. Because, mate, here's the thing is like, there are a lot of times in my life where the other person is right. Mm. I was wrong. Mm. But um, they don't have the charisma required to pull off their moral stance. <laughs> yeah. And like, then five minutes later, they're like, yeah, yeah okay, sounds good, Bill. And I'm, I've just run a ring around this poor cunt. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, and here's the thing is I'm still wrong. Yeah, totally. But it's yeah, just yeah. you're not as outgoing as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that shouldn't count, but it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just need to take the harness early. Like, yeah. you need to be the one that leads the conversation yeah. from the And get-go. confrontation is scary as well. Yeah. Like, the whole thing. I hate confrontation as well. I got a bit better at it recently. But um, in- <laughs> You hate confrontation. You're always fucking blowing up at guns. <laughs> no, but I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's just a cross you have to bear. No, wait. wait okay. <laughs> I can be confrontational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that I don't like uh, look forward to confrontations. And like this, if I have to bring something up with someone or say like, mate, this is, you got to stop this or whatever. Yeah. 
I'd much rather just like fucking let it go. Yeah, I don't like like the boat. I hate the. Do you know what is? I I think I'm fine with confrontation. I fucking hate 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 being genuine. (laughs) (laughs) That's honestly what it is. I can't do it. I can't fucking talk to people down the barrel and be like, "Look, this is how I feel." Yeah, yeah. I gotta, mate. You gotta. I'm throwing up walls left and right. Like. It starts acting genuine and then 30 seconds in. Anyway, get around me. Um. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, lads, lads, lads. Uh, I'm an idiot. I hate myself. All right, catch you next time. Oh, fucking. Speak it up. All right, mate. We'll yeah, bloody leave that it. there. Mate, the. Uh, bup, 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 what was I going to say? Live episode this Friday, mate. You looking yep. forward to it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're it's going to be fucking sick. Nice. Nothing more needs to be said. It's in literally two days. Hope to see you there. I think there's like 10 tickets left on the door. Nice. Um, yeah, it should be cool. Cool, cool, cool. Rowan, great to have you back. Good to be back. Good to be fit and healthy. Good to have you fit and healthy, mate. And I think as well, it's good that you and me have both got COVID at the start of the wave. Yeah. Now we're sweet for the summer. Last summer, mate, fuck. It's still- <laughs> You're still, still pissed off about it. still makes me angry. I bloody had Ashes tickets and it got COVID. <sighs> and it just oh made me furious. Anyway, but yeah, so this summer will be good. Um, I think the podcast will end December 14, like for the year. Oh, nice. So there'll be tools down. So I think we got like two or three left. Oh, Christmas break. Nice. Christmas break. I always take a month off over Christmas. Of course, mate. You're your own boss. I'm my own boss. And also, mate, who is listening to podcasts on December 28? Mate, no one should do anything. No one should be doing anything. I think it's spiritual should be, spiritually, everyone should be tools down. Oh, I get so pissed off that when people run comedy shows between oh. Christmas and New Year's, bro. People do that sometimes. Dude, like, sometimes why? people run open mics on like December 30. And I'm like, go spend some time with your family. Do something other than this. Oh my God, please. But anyway, all right, cool. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. See you next time, dude.